the Buck Off Podcast with Lane Grant. Hosted by Christopher Rennie and joined by Jordan Williams. Now that the business is out of the way, I'm here and joined, as always, by Jordan Williams. How are you doing today, Jordan? How are you feeling? Uh, I'm doing pretty good. I can't complain. Um, wedding's in a couple of days. Uh, today's my last day of work for like, it's 12 official days of work, including the weekend. So like close to 20 days. I mean, I'm living. Yeah, that sounds like a good time. It's going to be incredible. Uh, I'm going to just give you the pre-congratulations from me and all our listeners. Um, the soon-to-be-married man, Jordan. Uh, congratulations. Appreciate it. Appreciate any, any, it. Any messages to the audience? Any message to the audience about making it to the altar? Because I just watched Love is Blind, and I, I didn't learn a thing. <laughs> uh no I'm, I'm i feel like even though I'm, I'm getting married i'm the worst person to ask this to um because like I, I don't have good advice uh we've been together forever i would just say like yeah i don't know that's a really good question i don't really adhere to oh i have a i have a really good one don't rush to get married because like I feel like people who rush to get married end up dating people they don't like they don't actually like and then they end up getting divorced so like just find people you like and then especially for people our age and younger don't listen to social media like if you like something there's someone else that likes it like if you believe that you should like men and women should pay 50-50 bills there's a man or woman that wants to pay 50-50. Like, if you believe that, like, men should pay all the bills, like, there's a woman that's going to be okay with men uh, paying all the bills. Like, if you feel like you need a woman that's, that should submit to you, which I personally think is weird, but, like, there's a woman that wants to submit to a man. Like, whatever you want, there's someone out there that, like, wants that too. So just, like, don't take social media too serious and just, like, date people you like. And if you do that, you're more likely to get married. Like... But I feel like a lot of people rush it and then they just be like, we've been together for six months and someone said I should get married. So I'm going to propose and I don't know anything about her or him or them. And we're going to do it and hope it lasts. <laughs> Dude, that is great advice. I, I will say I've been I, I don't know where, where this came from. I think it's because my girlfriend loves this stuff, but I've been watching a lot of that like guilty pleasure reality TV lately. I was just thinking, I was watching the Jersey Shore family vacation stuff or family reunion, and Ronnie, you know, Ron and Sam, everyone remembers Ron and Sam. If you're listening yeah. to this show and you're in our age group, you know Ron and Sam. Um, prime example. Um, prime example there. Prime example recently, a woman he dated didn't even know her birthday, and it's like, I have to marry her because she's having my kid. Um, crazy stuff happens. Um, I just took a weird turn. But, yeah, it's safe to say, I think that was incredible advice. Find someone who matches what you want, who matches your desires, and run with it. And if it works out, it works out. We're all living. Yeah. We're all dying one day. So, let's make the most of your life. 
I literally think that's the easiest thing. And then the other thing, because older people, and sorry to any older people out there listening, but maybe you can take some advice too. Older people don't know what it's like to like date and like live in today's society and like be young and not already have like a house and stuff like that. Like, don't let people rush you. Like, we've we started like we got together first year of of college so like i was 19 she was 18 so in october we'll have been together for nine years so you can imagine you make it to nine years at like year four people keep start to ask you when you're getting married but like at year four we were like 22 and so like all this time people like when you get married when you get married when you get married they're gonna put a ring on it literally like we just had to take it out we had to take it out but in our like wedding script of our officiant like they put like after x number of years jordan finally put a ring on it and we're like mm, no i don't like that because like it wasn't like i was like waiting or something like that it was we were young and not ready and then a pandemic hit and weddings cost a lot of money so like there's like if the relationship is solid there's no need to rush like we decided to get married, but like she wasn't pressing me, I wasn't pressing her, but like everyone outside the relationship was pressing us. So like even if you're happy and in a good relationship, you don't have to get married right away. Like you can just be like happy and in a good relationship and like do things that don't yeah. include paying a lot of thousands of dollars <laughs> to pay for people to eat and drink on your dime. Oh yeah, you know, can we clip that segment? Uh, I think a lot of people would very much appreciate having that at the ready. Um, so, producer Chris, go clip that, and we'll be back to the show shortly. Um, but all jokes aside, it's it's very exciting times. Um, yeah, it's going to be crazy. We're going to have one married man, and then we're going to have one who's in that four or five year range where everybody's like, so when's it going to happen? When are you going to put a ring on it? So that's where I'm at. I'm where you were just explaining. So so definitely clipping that. Um, but yeah, financially, it's a big commitment. Um, not the marriage itself, just like the actual yeah. committing to a wedding is, is a big commitment. Um, so it's all good. I mean, it's, it's going to be fun time. Um, the honeymoon i feel like that's really what people want to get married for yeah and honestly like i wouldn't i wouldn't necessarily change it because there's a reason why we decided to have a wedding but like if you don't need to have a wedding just elope and then spend that money on like a three-week honeymoon like and, and you're still going to save money like we could have went on like with the money we spent on this wedding and we're coming in under the average but with the money we spent on this wedding we could have like moved to another country for like a month and a half because of the conversion of the dollar and just like no not even like not even need to work just like don't even matter just take fmla or whatever it is where like they just let you off work but you they don't pay you i don't need to use pto we could have just went to another country and just like lived for like a month and a half and like came back and was like all right we're gonna do life again so <laughs> and that's yeah, under the national average by the way like I know that I just with the way I just say people are probably like doing their math and they're like how much did you spend just know it's what I just said is still under the national average so like yeah if you don't need if you don't need it just like two three week honeymoon just like go live your best life uh, and, and don't pay for other people to eat and drink on your dime and that's life advice from Jordan right there. Um, so, yeah, I know you guys enjoy our 
introductory conversations, but we know, we, we always know you're here for a reason. Um, if you guys remember my name by the end of the show, I'm, I'm happy about it. Um, but Ohio State football, they played their spring game last week, and me and Jordan have yet to talk about it. Um, so, yeah, today we're going to do a full-on spring game review. We're just going to go position by position. We're going to break it down. Um, after that, we've got a couple of stories from around the Ohio State news world that we're going to get into. Some funny stuff, some recruits tweeting at each other. Uh, one question, what we wish was answered heading into the summer. And an article by The Athletic, Ohio State's the greatest developmental program in the country. And there aren't many arguments for it. And before you guys say, well, they should have won more national championships, things need to line up. It's not always that easy. Um, so we're going to get into that as well. But you want to get started on the offensive side or defensive side, Jordan? Which way, which way do we want? That's, that's the, let's, leave, let's, let's leave it to you for that. Okay. So I have what I, I think what I'm going to do, because I have this stuff written down, because I was going to write a story and didn't have time. Let's do offensive line, then defensive line. And then we can, because they're going to go together, just because I have, like, certain stats and stuff, and then we can just do the rest of the offense and the rest of the defense. All right, that works for so, me. So the first two, we're going to go offense, defense, and then we'll go offense for the rest and then defense for the rest. So I apologize for people who don't care about the offensive line, but I did take some notes. I, um, I was rewinding. Quite a if you listen to this, you probably do, because, like, come on. This, this is what we do. If you follow us and Bill Landis, and I'm not going to say that we're at, to Bill's level, but, like, if you follow us and you follow Bill Landis, you care about the offensive line because, like, we're going to talk about it. Like, if nobody else is going to talk about it, we're going to talk about it. So we saw it. A lot of people want people to talk about it. I don't see enough people talking about it. We know yeah. Kyle McCord and Devin Brown are going to figure it out. What we don't know is if Justin Fry. Uh, Tegra Shibola, a second-year player. Zen Mahalski, a guy who's never started. Josh Fryer, who's never played left tackle at this level this much. And a new center, who's also in his second year. Um, there's a big reason we're going to have to talk about this. 100%. Yeah, and absolutely. It's and I know why you're bringing the defensive line in this, because that side's pretty scary season right now. Yeah, for sure. And so the first thing I'm going to say before I even get started, this is a concern. Like it's just it's just a concern. Um, the, like we talked about it, and I don't. I think we talked about it on the show. I know we talked about it just like in text messages and maybe on Twitter. Is like just because these players are gonna win the job doesn't mean that they're good or ready yet. Because at the end of the day, you have to pay your you have to pay for your sins, and we're paying for the sin of keeping a guy who didn't recruit and didn't develop for way too long. And I still refuse to say his name. Like, you all thought that was a bit when I started that two years ago. I haven't said his name in two years, and I'm not going to. So you have these guys who are starting, but that doesn't mean they're good. It just means that they're the best at the position, but they could be terrible because the offensive line could be terrible. Now, I don't think they're going to be terrible. I think you have to be mindful what you take from a spring game because they have all summer to get bigger, stronger, and faster, and then they have, like, 20 more practices in the spring to get better, in the fall to get better. Yeah, and then they so have – in a Youngstown State and Western Kentucky or something like that. Before exactly. They but what we saw in the spring game and the little you can take out of it was not super encouraging. So let's just get this out of the way. Um, one competition I think is settled. They just won't admit it. And the other one is just absolutely not settled. So the starting 
offensive line was Josh Fryer at left tackle, Donovan Jackson at left guard, Carson Hensman at center, Matt Jones at right guard, and then Zen Makowski started at right tackle, which was kind of surprising to me. I think that kind of shows that like Tegra is still struggling to learn a little bit because not that he could have won the job per se, but he could have had a much further along because Zen missed a week or so with an injury. So for Zen to miss a week or so for the injury and still start the spring game, I'm not sure that that was just a seniority thing. I think that he's probably leading the competition right now, which I can't say that I necessarily expected. So Yeah, I will say on that as well that I think Tegra did play a little better in the spring game, uh, but he also wasn't necessarily going up against the first defensive line as much. So that's also something where we have to kind of have a separate takeaway where it's like, I think he outperforms him, but it was also marginal and it also wasn't enough to say like, oh yeah, Tegra's a shoe-in starter, like he's younger, just put him in. Because I I thought Zan, once he got a little more comfortable, didn't do too bad holding up. But, you know, I just think it's really hard to evaluate a first guy when they're going up against Jack Sawyer, JT Tuamaleu. Right at the start. That's just not fun. Absolutely. So the one thing I'll say, the competition that I think is finished, and if you watch the game, I'm sure you agree with me, I think center's over. Um, I don't know how good of a blocker Carson Hensman is. Like, there was a lot of pressure up the middle, and I think a decent amount of that was on Victor, but I can't say for sure. What I can tell you for sure, what I can tell you for an absolute 100% fact, and if you don't believe me, you can rewind the tape, Victor Cutler snaps high. Multiple of his snaps are high. And you can't have that. It don't matter how good you can block. You could block Aaron Donald. But if you can't snap the ball, that's going to mess up the timing of everything. Like, if you if you can guard Aaron Donald, but you can't snap the ball, you just need to play guard. Like, they're not going to play you at center yeah. because that is job number one. You have guards Especially. on both sides to help you with the blocking, but the ball has to get there on time and it has to get in the right spot. Because especially with, like, RPOs and all that kind of stuff, the and timing runs of the snaps. Yeah, like that is that is everything. And if it's high, if it's too far left or right, if it's low, it, it just it, it can literally destroy the entire play. So I think center's taken care of. I don't think they want to name it because he's a young guy and he still does need to improve, i.e. all of the pressure up the middle. But Victor Cutler performed much worse, in my opinion. Yeah, 100% agree. Um, I, I was ready to say Hensman won the job. I know the coaches won't do it. I know that won't be the case. I think he's going to need to have a big summer in the weight room to, you know, alleviate that pressure in the middle to be a little bit better against the pass. Um, and once again, like what we I just said about Jack Sawyer, JT Tuam, Leu, ditto to the middle, Tyleek Williams. Um, my call, that sucks for any first-year player. That sucks for any player let alone a guy getting his first real snaps in, or I guess he's snapping the ball, but yeah, getting his real snaps in front of people. Like, yeah, I, I do. I do think his youth is going to be a huge benefit as the season goes. Cause I think that really just means you're going to see improvement week in and week out. Uh, it's definitely like a position you said will be helped out by having two real good veterans next to him. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I really like. I actually really liked what I saw from Hensman. Uh, for the most part, I thought he held his own in the run game. Um, I think he did a decent job, or as decent a job as I expected him to, against the pass rush. 
Um, but it, it's going to be something we talk about with the quarterbacks as well later in this. But it, it was really hard to get a true evaluation when that first defensive line was in. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think that is something to mention because I think that the offensive line is not that good right now. And I also think that th- this is going to be the best defensive line we've had since Chase Young's second year when there was still Jonathan Cooper and Draymond Jones, I believe. Yeah. And uh, what's the dude's name that they called Cowboy? Uh, the, the nose tackle. Robert Landers. Robert Landers. Like, uh, was Sam Hubbard still there? His no, second he year? was a year. I think he was gone. By yeah, then. Okay. Either way, that line. That's Jonathan the best. Cooper was there. Yeah, yeah. That's the best. This is going to be the best line since that. Because the line, the defensive line Chase Young senior year was ass. It was just Chase Young. It was Chase Young and a bunch of nobodies. Chase Young had like 13 and a half sacks by himself, and we ended up with like 20 total sacks or something crazy. So this is going to be the best line that we've had in a while, I believe. I'm really, I'm ready to say that. So that does factor into the evaluation, but I also think that this line and, – and, and, and I'm going to get to this stat. I'm trying to save it because we haven't even talked about who played second offensive line yet. But I'm going to say this. None of the main guys got a sack. And multiple sacks were given up. So it's not that you're just playing against future first rounders. The backups were beating you, and that's how we know the line's not ready. Because unless you're ready to say that Kenyatta Jackson, Caden Curry, all of these, Hero Canoe, all of these guys are first round picks, unless you're ready to say that, you have to say that the offensive line is not that good right now because that's who they were getting beat by because Jack and JT and Mike and them, they didn't play that much. Now, the one thing that I don't know the answer to because they didn't show the end zone angle is how much right Donovan Jackson and Matt Jones and them played. Maybe they were working in some of the younger guys more, and that was a performance. That's a little bit harder to see. But I don't know. But I, the one thing I wanted to say that's kind of off off the subject, but I, I just thought it was hilarious. Um, Wisconsin, we we always talk about uh, <laughs> we always talk about um, how we got Carson Hensman from the state of Wisconsin. Yeah, Wisconsin's about to lose another player, two players actually. Um, they're about to lose the number one player, who I believe is an offensive lineman. Uh, Donovan Harbor, and then they're going to lose another player, Corey Smith, who I believe is the third player in the state, um, to Penn State. Both of them are going to Penn State. And Wisconsin doesn't lose offensive linemen, and then they did. They didn't lose them until they did. And now it's like a free-for-all. And it's like Luke Fickle, no, Luke yeah, it is Luke at Wisconsin. It is Luke Fickle. Like, yeah. like, Luke, come on, bro. You are from the state of Ohio. You know what it means. Literally, you know what it means to lock down a state when you did it at Ohio State. You know what it meant at Cincinnati to relatively lock down a city and lock down the rest of the state fighting toe-to-toe with Kentucky to keep guys in Ohio. How do you go to Wisconsin and the very first thing you do is let two of the top three players leave for another Big Ten program? It's it's definitely one of those challenges. I mean, you know, you're a new coach. You come in. Um, I, I think it's not necessarily the same level. Like Justin Fry did a good job closing the border right when he got to Ohio State. But I think Ohio State was on a different level than Wisconsin at the time. And you look at what Luke Fickle inherited from Paul Christ. They were down pretty bad. So I, I think you got to give him a little bit of 
I think you got to give him a little bit more breathing room than a coach at a team that's playing in the playoff year in and year out. But still, if the borders don't close quick, uh, Wisconsin's going to be in trouble for a long time. Yeah, absolutely. Anyway, that's not what we're talking about. So second team offensive line. This one was kind of interesting to me. I don't know who I thought was going to be there, but it wasn't this guy. Left tackle, George Fitzpatrick. Honestly, the whole, like, except the almost the whole second team offensive line surprised me. Left tackle, George Fitzpatrick. Like, I didn't think he was anywhere near ready to do that. And maybe he's not. Who knows? Um, left guard, Ben Christman. That also kind of surprised me. Maybe I maybe I was just missing something. I don't know that I projected that. Maybe I did. Did I project that? I don't know. I can find out. I mean, I don't think either is projected, Chrisman. Let me. I'm gonna pull up my my depth chart that I came up with. Uh, center was Victor Cutler Jr., which is hilarious because I oh I did I did predict Chrisman. Oh, big time. I had George Fitzpatrick as the third team right tackle. Oh, I was okay. Okay. To be honest, if I really thought about it, I probably could have predicted George Fitzpatrick. I put Luke Montgomery as a second team left tackle and that was just being hella aggressive. I didn't know that George played right left tackle. And I guess it doesn't matter because they moved Josh too, but I'd never seen him on the left side. And so I was just like, Sure, Luke Montgomery is a good player. He can fit in there. And that was probably a little aggressive. So George being over there does make sense, but it still surprised me. Center was Victor Cutler Jr. Right guard was Anek Vamahi. And right tackle was Tiger Shabola, as we already know. Like I said, Victor Cutler, I think, has already lost the center job. Tiger is still fighting. Um, and then... Uh, I don't know how much we're going to expect to see Fitzpatrick, Chrisman... Or yeah, I don't think we'll see them a lot. They do have to definitely position themselves for that next set of competitions, but because yeah, I, would, I think I, slim chance we see any of them to carve out any real roles this year. But yeah, because I, I feel like a neck would play left and right guard in a pinch, yeah. and I think Tegra would play left and right tackle in a pinch. In a pinch yeah, like I feel and like it's, I feel like it's last seven, year. Yeah, so I feel like it's seven him over. Yeah, like so whoever doesn't win the job at tackle, I think I think the line is seven deep, but I don't think we see much more than yeah, that. Yeah, and that's once again back to recruiting, like not a good sign. Um no. but yeah, no. overall I, I didn't think the second team played poorly. I thought they did really well in the run game. Um that's actually the article I'm working on right now is just kind of doing a film review. Uh, I thought it really sucked. You know, I know you want to protect Mayan Williams, you want to keep him healthy, but I feel like the first team offense, when they were having Mayan Williams run on touch, it was really disingenuous to the offensive line because they'd open up a hole and Mayan would get through it and he'd get tapped by the side. And we all know, everybody in the world knows you're not going to side tap Mayan and tackle him. So they were giving out like one or two yard gain. So it's definitely going to be a big aspect of my offensive spring film article is just showing that Mayan probably was going to average 12, 13 yards carry yesterday because of the first team offense line. But since he was touch off, um, you couldn't really see it. And I thought the second team with Chip, with Dallin, I thought they did a really good job. I really did. I thought the run game looked great, and that's Justin Fry's main MO. Um, and I think you can't, you can 
get comfortable protecting the pass. You cannot build a run game in August. We saw that in 2018. We saw that with the all-tackle linemen, like the all-tackle line. Like, If it's not there in the spring, it's probably not going to get figured out into fall most of the time. So seeing that got me pretty excited. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think, like, that's the thing. Like, I think they just as a whole, I, I agree that they did pretty decent in the run game. I mean, uh, Chip Traynham, balling. And yeah, I'm not going to get. I I can't wait to talk about the running backs because I, I, I just don't know how you keep that off the field. Yeah, I, I don't know either, honestly. Um I don't know why he was ever a linebacker. Uh, we don't have to talk about that, yeah, though. It's like I, know why, I know why he was technically, though, out Washington. I haven't gotten to the point where I won't say his name. I feel like I have to say his name in spite. He was he was a linebacker because Al Washington just destroyed everything. But either way, uh, I think they did pretty good in front of the ball. I, I don't think they passed the pass blocked well at all, especially up the middle. And so that brings me, if you want to switch over to the defensive line, the defensive line had five sacks. Uh, five different players had a sack, not including tackles for loss and things like that. They don't keep stats like that, but they're definitely some of those. Kenyatta Jackson had a sack. Hayden Curry had a sack. Tyleek Williams had a sack. Hero Canoe had a sack. Ty Hamilton had a sack. If you're keeping track, three of the five sacks are from up the middle. And Mike Hall didn't have a sack, but Mike Hall should be credit. Like, if you did hockey sacks, you know, hockey you would have assists, like four or five jokes. sacks. Yeah. Like, one of the sacks was de- literally, de- I don't remember exactly which one. I feel like it was maybe Hero. I don't remember exactly who it was, but one of the sacks was literally directly tied to the fact that he was in the quarterback's face in 0.2 seconds, and he stepped up, got tapped, sacked. Like, Mike, Mike, uh, Michael Hall for however many, Big Mike, Big Mike, we said we're going to call him Big Mike, he's angry. Big Mike, yeah, for however Mike. many, how many ever snaps he played, he, he was balling, like... He did exactly what he needed to do, and I think he probably should get more sacks. I think he plays a little out of control, but yeah, that really doesn't matter if there's someone to clean up for you. And when you're up yeah. the middle, it's really not even your job to get sacks. When you have Big Mike coming up the middle at you, running, I bet he looks like he runs the four, five, six, or something. His crazy. Yard like, split is probably up there with the receivers, and then once they get to that twenty yard mark, that's where it separates. <laughs> yeah, like so, I it's crazy. His but get off the he, ball is nuts. He is not built like a typical one or a typical three he's kind of a tweener of the two and he is he's just a big boy honestly that's like the only way you can really describe him yeah uh, literally it's the only way that you can describe him nothing else makes sense a unit i think that's a good way to describe him as well like i so yeah off off topic just slightly it's still my call but uh they were doing uh larry johnson was doing ring drills the tackling ring they use now onto a mat and seeing Mike Hall tackle that, I'm just, I really honestly took me back. I'm like, I do not know how opposing player, like quarterback specifically, not, you know, I could understand like a running back taking that, you know, they're built a little stronger, but I just cannot fathom getting up from getting hit like that. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, so <laughs> it just doesn't make any sense. And the craziest thing to speak about the defensive line, Mike Hall didn't start. Mm-hmm. Diane Wilson did. So that's crazy. I do. Maybe we should just run down all the starters really quick just because I have the tweets up. So really quickly, quarterback Kyle McCord, running back Mayan Williams, uh, wide receivers Marvin Harrison Jr., Carnell Tate, and Jaden Ballard, Kate Stover, tight end, and then we already did the offensive line. Defensive line, Jack and JT, Tyleek and Ty. Obviously, Tyleek at three. No. Tyleek at one. Tyleek at one. Ty at three. And they moved Mike back to three instead of one. He yeah. played one last year because there was a lot of three picks. Um, and then Cody Simon, CJ Hicks at linebacker, Denzel Burke, Jordan Hancock at corner, which I thought was interesting. Uh, and then Cameron Martinez, Lathan Ransom, and Josh Proctor, which I also thought is interesting. And I don't think that he's going to be the starter uh, at safety. Yeah, and I think with safeties this year, I think that's going to be one of those looser terms. Because um, Sonny Styles played the most snaps of anybody. And I think yeah. that'll be the case, but I don't know if he'll be the first guy on the field every game. Yeah. Um, and then uh, literally the second series that the ones came out, Mike Hall played and Sonny Styles played in that second series with the ones. Yeah, they didn't. And Mike Hall didn't play that much. He doesn't need to play that much. We know what he does, we know what he's about. Um, but, yeah, the defensive line, I, I think I want to talk about the ends. I think Jack looked okay. I thought JT looked awesome. He had a few plays where I'm really hoping he could get that bend a little bit a little bit more consistent and get those sacks right. It seems like he like, – offensive linemen are able to work him upfield. Um, his bull rush uh, is really good. But when he has to get around that edge of bend, I do think offensive linemen have had some success working him away from the quarterback. Um, Jack, you know, I think I, I I didn't see a lot from him. Like, you know, he came out in his first spring game, had like three sacks. Um, we didn't see that. I think, you know, it's not really something you were going to see. But the guys, the guy I want to talk about is Kenny out of Jackson. Um, that dude hit the weight room. Uh, he looks like he's built in a lab for defense ends. And he plays with that level of explosiveness. I, I really did not think there was any drop-off between him and JT. And I, I don't want to like be a hot take guy, but I honestly would not be surprised if by the end of the year he's the second best defense end on the team. I can't say that I would be mad at that. He just looks the part. I haven't seen like and this don't even take this the way that it's gonna sound, but there hasn't been a defensive lineman built like him. Like like the guy I'm about to say, Chase Young. Kenyon Jackson is built that way, like physically, like the long arms, the the insane build. Like he carries a lot of muscle incredibly well. Like it's not a matter of him like performing to Chase Young's level. I'm just saying from a physical upside standpoint, he's the only guy I've seen Ohio State get in the last five years that looks anything close to it. Yeah, and honestly, I think the thing that really kind of stands out is that um, his bend, right? I yeah, listen, I, I don't, I do not want, I do not want people to take this negatively. I love JT and Jack, and JT's one of the greatest athletes I've ever laid my eyes on. 
JT could very, very easily play three tech. Like he's a bigger dude. And so being that bigger dude, he does not always get the bend in some of that kind of stuff. He's it's like it's like okay, I'm just gonna put it in terms that people understand and people won't think I'm being disrespectful, even though I'm not. When you play Madden JT is the power rusher. When yeah, like you get, you you, when you get your, when you get your things, yeah, like when you get your things, it's gonna say run stuffer, power rusher. He's gonna get like those badges. And Jack is not necessarily a power rusher per se, but he just doesn't have the bend. He doesn't have the like he's a different type of athlete. He's the athlete that could step in and play quarterback for no reason for his team. And that makes no sense that he could do that. But he's not like the special, especially when you compare to NFL players. And that's what these guys want to be. He's much closer to. The guy He's a that Cam you're going to say, defensive end. yeah, Cam Hayward, or even um, I hate to do it, but and I'm not comparing them because they're white, I promise you. But the guy from that team up north, because they get their sacks off of motor, they get their sacks because, like, I mean, obviously the Bosa brothers were white, but like they were not just technically sound; they also were yeah. physically gifted and had a bend. They didn't have as much bend as Chase, Meyer, but Jack like doesn't have. He's a lesser athlete than those most, three. Most, explosive player in the NFL, if we're being honest. Like, off the ball, I don't think there's anyone more explosive than him. Jack doesn't have that. That's just the facts. Like, it's okay. They can still be great defensive ends in college, but... And they're going. I mean, they're going to be, but that that lack of that half a step difference in explosiveness and that half a step difference yeah. in bend is what's the reason why neither one of them have gotten ten sacks yet. And Kenyatta Jackson may not be as good of an all around player as them because but one you, of the benefits that you get. Yeah, like I mean, like I'm not gonna say he's a better all around player than JT when JT's literally one handed interceptions and run into the end zone. Like I'm not, yeah. I'm not crazy, but when we're talking pure. Pass rushing to the ball, Kenyatta is is special in the room and that ability, and that ability is not enough. So neither one of us are caught because I feel like people take what we say. I just have to quantify this. Neither one of us is saying he's going to be the best and he needs to start over one of them or anything like that. No, because there's saying, a lot more that goes into the job exactly. than just being a pass rusher. But athlete. if they if they bring that NASCAR package back, I wouldn't be surprised if JT or Jack is moved inside. So that Kenyatta could get on the field. Yeah, and it's definitely one of those. It's definitely one of those things where you saw it in recruiting, um, but seeing him get in the weight room, seeing the way he put on the weight, it's like exactly what you're hoping when you get a recruit like that. Um, yeah. Like Hayden Curry is a good example. His classmate, like he's going to be an awesome defensive end. He's an incredibly high motor guy. He's very fundamentally sound, but. He doesn't have that athletic upside. He's he's gonna do it with strength. He's gonna do it with fundamentals. I think he's got solid bend for the his size. But like just watching this spring game, um, I, like his impact wasn't maybe the biggest. But I just I just my take it with Kenyatta Jackson is once he figures it out, it's gonna be it's gonna be dangerous. Yeah, I also think the weight matters. Like Kenyatta Jackson, six five two fifty two, and uh, JT is six four two seventy, 
and uh, Jack is 6'4", 265. So they're both 6'4", 270. That 20 pound, that, you know, essentially that 15 to 20 pound difference does make a difference. Like, yeah. uh, and, and that step, that Huge get off that and uh, things like that. So I think the three of them together are going to make a Oh my God! Like, cause like, what are you gonna do? It's like, yay, Jack Sawyer's down on the field. He's taking a breather. Oh fuck! Here comes Kenyatta Jackson. <laughs> like, like, yeah. like, you don't get a break. Like, you're not. It's like, oh yay, JT's off the field. Oh man, here comes Caden Curry. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, and like last year, like, don't get me wrong, like Zach Harrison was a really good defender, but he wasn't. A good, he wasn't the best edge rusher, and he wasn't the best run defender. Um, at least when you sub out JT, who's probably the best all-around defensive end in the country, um, you're going to get a specialist. You're going to get a guy who would do a lot of things and do one thing incredibly well. And that's not something you have where it's like you look at Javante Jean-Baptiste, you look at Tyler Friday, you look at those guys. They were role players at best, right? They come in, they do their job, they do their assignment. But rarely were they going to do something outside of that. I think you've got young guys who are going to be capable of making explosive plays when the two starters are off the field. And that is what happened when Larry Johnson started hitting on his highly touted recruits again. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like, I'm going to take it back because he heard me and he listened to me and he put the put the effort and the love back into recruiting. He was missing on guys. He was missing on development. It was clear as day. It is literally in the field. It is literally in where players were getting drafted. It was literally in recruiting numbers and everyone thought I was crazy. And then he fixed it. And I'm happy for him. I'm glad he did. I'm glad he listened to the podcast. But. Just because he's a legend doesn't mean I couldn't talk, tell the truth about what yeah, was going you, you on. Criticize legends. That's that's just facts. You can do it. I feel like you gotta criticize legends, but um, they won't. They gotta keep them humble. You gotta keep them humble. Um, yeah, but yeah, so, overall, final thoughts. Defense line. Um, I think it's gonna be really good this year. I really do. I, I don't. Best defensive line in the country. Yeah, I don't know if they'll have a 10 sack guy, but they're going to have a lot of seven, six, seven guys. Man, I hope one of them. I hope one of them gets to 10. But one thing that went underrated last year is Ohio State led the country in sacks. As a, as a unit, Ohio State led the country in sacks. Yeah. Um, but yeah, let's get um, let's get to the running backs. Um, Running backs, running backs. Um, like I said, we'll start with Mayan. Um, it was good to see him out there, um, but I also did not need to see him out there if that's what it was going to be. Yeah, I mean. Like, was that really – I feel like all it did was really hurt the first-team offense and put them into a lot of second-and-long and third-and-long situations. Yeah, it, it, it wasn't impressive. He looked explosive. That was nice, but it didn't matter because he got tapped off, and then they're down at the second and nine. Um, so that that's like the first takeaway. I think um, I think we saw. I I, I don't want to. We'll start with Dallin because um, I I don't think I had. I, it's not like a negative viewing or a positive viewing. I just felt he did look like a sophomore in his second spring. Didn't do a lot of special, made the correct reads, was 
had a decent feel, broke a few tackles, but didn't really have a lot of explosive plays. Yeah, I also think that, like, I think he's an in-game running back because his his physicality doesn't show. Like, it just doesn't show. You know, yeah. so I, I think he I think he's a running back that needs to because like you have to try to tackle him so that he can break your tackle and then make you look like an idiot. And you can't do yeah. that when you're tapping and, and, and things like that. Also, when you're not trying to like injure teammates and things like that. So I really think that it's he's just a player that um he's not a spring game player. That's he's what not, I'm saying. He's not, and he's definitely a back who needs reps, needs a few snaps. He needs to. He's a rhythm running back, and that that's a real thing. Um, and that's kind of where you saw like his team, and they get off the field, and you can't really get into a true rhythm in the spring game. And that's really kind of what I saw with Dallin. Um, and that's that's not like once again, it's not an issue. Like we know what Dallin can do on the actual football field. It's just you know, he looked looked um he didn't have that same second burst as some of the older guys we saw. Like even Mayan when he was coming through the hole, like you could see he was healthy and he was confident. And that's something where I think honestly you could also take into account that Mayan's been out camp. Um Evan Pryor's been out of camp. Trayvon Henderson's been out of camp. Um, Dallin Hayden's not a 235-pound maniac um, like his fellow running back who was excelling in the spring game. So I'm sure the amount of additional reps was weighing on Dallin Hayden quite a bit by the end of spring. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, would not surprise me. I don't think this is one of those things where you say like, where I mean, we're doing a whole podcast on it, so it's going to sound stupid. But like, again, you can only take so much from a spring game. And I think this is one of those things like I'm not going to take Chip's performance and say he should be over Dallin and, and things like that. Maybe you should. Maybe you shouldn't. But like one game is not going to determine that for me. And I think that this is one of those things where it's just like it wasn't his best performance. I, I don't think it really fits what his style of play is. And he did what he did. That it is what I, I we saw what he can do in the game. So I yeah, think we, we just leave it at that. Like we've seen what Chip can do in a game, um, but I will say with Trainum, his explosiveness once he gets to that second level at his size, special. I fully Absolutely. understand why they tried to put him back at kick returner now. Like it was kind of stupid on paper at first. You're like, why is this dude back there? And then you saw him running past corners and safeties at 235, 240 pounds, and you're like, oh, that's why. Like, I don't know what his role is going to be, but he's going to be on an NFL team for some time. Yeah, he's going to have fresh legs because of it. I mean, I just think it's like, I just, I can't get the play out of my mind where, like, so many of those long running like outside plays, those stretch plays, don't get to that hole that he hit because they don't see it or they don't have the patience for it. And he saw the hole and then exploded yeah. through it for a touchdown. And like, the that only is... back on the roster with that level of explosiveness, Travion Henderson, and he's 30 pounds lighter. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and I, I, I'm not trying to be an asshole, but Trey, Trey, not my, Trey might not have seen that hole. 
I, that is... Yeah. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. Um, he would have seen it against Tulsa. Um, he would not have seen it later in the year. Trey saw a lot of holes, but I, I don't. Well, maybe not I, it's last like, year he didn't, but like I don't, I don't know if he would have saw that one. Where, like you said, we don't. We I don't want to take too much away from the spring game, but physically there aren't a lot of people like that. And you know, maybe he's not going to have like the rhythm. Maybe he's not going to be able to play uh, that way every week. But you know, there's going to be three or four games this year where he has. <laughs> seven carries for 87 yards and a touchdown. Like, that's going to be a real stat line. Um, and it's really going to help um, Travion Henderson. It's going to help Mayan Williams. It's going to help. It's going to It's going to be a collective effort to get these guys to the end of the year. And that is going to be incredibly important because last year we saw what, like how quickly it goes. And you're going to need all five running backs at some point this year. Like, I know we kind of talked about it. You know, not really well. Actually, pretty in depth with snap counts and like all that over the past few seasons. Um, really, only two backs get most of the snap counts. Um, and this year, I think there's going to be four. I think two backs are going to lead the way, but I think there's going to be four or five with close to a hundred carries. I feel like I don't want that to happen, but for players not to transfer, that's probably what's going to happen because you get them the 100 or you get them close to it, and then you say Mayan and Trey are leaving. So these are going to be your yeah, carries next year. you got your shot. Yeah. So I, I do think it's going to be – and plus we saw, we saw the health. We saw it last year. It's not – like you need to keep these guys healthy. The seasons are long. If you want to play 15 games, you can't have these guys running into a wall in game six because they had 25, 30 carries. It's just unreasonable. And um, just looking back at the carries the last couple of years, um, it, it seems to be like there was a very consistent balance. And I just don't know if we'll have that same consistency and amount of snaps. I just think it's going to be a little bit more spread out just due to recent history, due to the talent in the room. Um, and it's funny because last year it was Trey, it was mine, it was Evan Pryor. No, like guaranteed, like those were the top three guys, right? Now you've got five guys who are probably – or four guys who are deserving of snaps, and we don't even fully know what Evan Pryor is yet. And – and and in Xavier Johnson, who like probably won't get snaps over these guys, but you know he's going to get a couple of plays where he's going to get touches. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and that's the like. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised to see some players transfer as a transfer portal is open. But man, if they don't, this is going to be so dangerous. It's going to be so dangerous, and then you're just leading them into next year, which is going to lead them in the next year, and you're almost building the thing that we low-key had with corner where you're the, Ohio, you're the starting Ohio State running back for one year and then you're in the pros because you get yeah. like you're the backup you play a couple of years then you're pros you're back you play a couple of years and you're, you're a low mileage because, pro. because there's so many of them and eventually it's going to reset and you're going to have to get your back like JK who was the starter for two years and then you're going to get like the backup like then you're going to get the the tray who was the starter for three years and things like that's going to always cycle in. But we're getting to a point where it's like, yeah, like we could have a, a second round money back for the next five drafts. Yeah, it's going to be crazy. Uh, but yeah, we'll take a quick break here before we head over back 
the next position group on the list, but I think you guys are sticking around with us. We've got quite a few more position groups to go. Not all of these are going to be in each other, but we will see you guys on the flip side. Welcome back in, everybody. This is your host, Christopher Rennie, bringing another episode of the Fuck Off Podcast here with Jordan Williams on the Lane Green Podcast Network. Make sure you subscribe to it. Um, yeah, we just talked about the running backs. I think they're pretty absurd proof. We crossed off the offense, the defense line. We're going to stick with the offense here. Um, let's go to receiver. Um, I, I don't think... Um, I have nothing to say. Marvin Harrison Jr. is unguardable. Carnell Tate is up next. Next. I'm just playing. Uh, Not really. Not really, but like, we can talk about it, but like, what is there to say? Carnell Tate looks amazing. Marvin Harrison Jr. literally just like. We discussed last week. Every time he wanted to be. (laughs) The 2022 receivers are. And are going to pass up 20. Yeah. <laughs> They're getting passed up. That's just the case. The only one who has any real shot of garnering playtime in the future is Caleb Brown. Um, but I saw Keon Gray's. I saw the other guys play. Kojo Antwi. Like, and don't get me wrong. Um, I'm wishing the best for them. But there is just traits that Tate has, traits that Noah Rogers have, physically that you cannot teach. That's just facts. That's just what it is. You also can't teach 62207 or whatever he is, 197 at 18 years old. Yeah, it's not going to be fair. Um, and, you know, I think it's funny because, you know, Chris Olave was a three-star. I can really see Carnell Tate kind of being that Chris Olave role. Where at first he probably will get a bit of playing time early in the year just because they're played overmatched opponents. They kind of in that middle part, he'll get sporadic playing time in big games. And then by the end of the year, he's going to be scoring touchdowns against the biggest teams on the schedule. Yeah. Which really hasn't happened since Chris. Because like Garrett, Garrett was no, Garrett, it happened with Chris and Garrett. And then it didn't happen with Marv. Marv didn't really make a major impact his, his freshman year. He had the Rose Bowl. Yeah, but that was his sophomore year, wasn't it? No, that was his freshman year. Oh. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But but that happened because the other guys weren't playing. Yeah, Chris they left first. Like Chris worked his way into the into the biggest games. So like it's slightly different, but either way, yeah. I, he's the, either long answer, he's the next one on the list, especially because the weakest position we have at wide receiver is the the X well the Z the the Z, the, yeah. the, the Z uh, opposite of Marv because Julian is injury prone and has tough stretches and, and then after that struggles with consistency catching the football yeah so so it, it's not any fault of the receivers ahead of him it's just Carnell Tate's a better football player which is and crazy. it's only April. It's only April, so think about he's, July, August. He's got 20 more practices after this yeah, to get he's better. Literally, he's, the Lakers literally lost a game where John Moran didn't play. That's disgusting. Anyway, yeah, he's... He got $50, so yeah. I, mean, nah, I don't even want to talk about it. Yeah. He's he's a pro. I mean, he's a pro. And I like like this is not something that we have to get into super a lot because I don't like... I hate, when, I hate doing it myself, and I hate when other people do it. 
but he's very similar to CJ Stroud and the grew up early kind of thing. He was taking care of his yeah. family early. His parents and family made like because he's from Chicago. His parents and family made a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of sacrifices for him to get to IMG and to get out of Chicago and get on that stage. And it's very much like people have had my back. I come from tough surroundings. I'm not going to let people down. So he's literally yeah. an adult at 18. And I, I I recognize that because I was an adult at 18 with my family situation and things like that. He's like Stroud. He's an adult. Like he literally comes in, he works because he's one. Like football is not fun. Like not that it's fun. It's, fun. it's not it's fun, an but football it's not is a job. Like it is. It's a job. It is his means to an end. It is like truly this bad. is how he takes care of his family. And at 18, even though he shouldn't be, but we know that's how life works and it is what it is. At 18, this is how he takes care of his family. He's going to take care of him first through NIL and then he's going to take care of him through the league. And that shows similar to Stroud who came in as an adult and, and things like that. And so, yeah, I mean, he his, I mean, like they literally said I was reading it, that they literally said IMG was saying like he was a leader immediately. He was the hardest working player we've ever had. He set the tone for everything. And to the point where like when Ron Ryan Day and then we're talking about him in interviews. The coach literally showed it to his team and was like, "Look, this is the impact that he's making. Like, it was the impact wasn't just in high school. Like, you do need to follow him. Like, just because he's not here setting the tone, you should still follow and be like him because this is what he's doing immediately yeah. on and a that's at IMG with the best of the best in the country." And he was that leader. He was so yeah. I mean, he's uh, unfortunate life circumstances, yeah. yes. But he's a he's a special kid, special guy. Talking. He's a pro. Pro's pro already. They did a uh, chalk talk at the coaches' clinic, and you know, hearing Keenan Bailey talk about him, hearing Brian Hartline talk about him, it's kind of crazy to hear the words they're using about a true freshman who just came in. Um, but that's where we're at. And then the other guy, Noah Rogers, um, who was kind of the star at the beginning of spring, had that had an incredible touchdown, like yeah. incredible touchdown. Um, just, just was not going to be denied. It. He saw Carnell take it, his easy one. He's like, "All right, well, I'm going to one up you with this incredible one. I'm going to take this RPO to the house." And he did. Uh, so yeah, the receivers, they're going to be good. The receivers were awesome on Saturday, and they were missing Mike Book and Julian Fleming, who are also still very good at football. Absolutely. All right, uh, let's get to tight ends. Um, I don't think there's a lot to talk about here. I really liked what I saw from D. Scott Jr. Um, I was actually pretty surprised by it. Um, he was really physical. He was a good blocker. I know he's taken to heart the need to be a great blocker, which is something when you see a guy move from receiver to tight end, that's probably the hardest part to get good at. Um, Kate Sober, you know, he did Kate Sober things, you know. I still think he needs to get better at blocking in space, but they're working on it. Um, and then Joe Royer, I think he's very much, there's going to be a lot of 12 personnel, so just get ready. You're going to hear those three names a lot. Um, but really, we didn't learn anything new about those three guys. I think you'd agree with me on that. Like, they did what they're expected to do. They did their job. Um, and that's really all I took from the tight end position there. Um, what I am incredibly excited about, though, um, there's this freshman. His name's Jelani Thurman. He is six feet, seven inches. He is 235 pounds. He is played the most snaps of any of the tight ends. And he moves incredibly well. 
difference maker. <laughs> like he he's the type he's so good at it as he's so good that he's gonna make people change game plans. And Ohio State hasn't had that. Like Ohio State doesn't like using the tight ends, but he's so good that they're going to have to use. They're gonna be forced into it, and he's not gonna be an inline tight end all the time. He's gonna. I really do think you could draw up the Michael Mayer role, and that could be Jelani Finley. You guys ever heard of the football player Antonio Gates? I don't want to put too lofty of expectations, but as I do on this show, I over-exaggerate quite a bit, and that's what I saw on Saturday with Jelani Thurman. Yeah, I mean, just... He's a a tight end who's going to play as a freshman. Like, what the hell? Yeah, and they need to play him. They need to play him. In the red zone, I don't think there's going to be a better red zone target. Like, him or Marv. Throw it up. One of them's going to jump higher than everybody else to get it. It, it was crazy. Do you want to do you want to deal with like Route Man Marv or a six foot seven guy Roman? Like, and then and then you have freaking Mayan Trey Chip, whoever you want to put at running back as yeah, an option. The box and up. they've already and, shown that they're probably going to run these quarterbacks a little bit more. If we don't have the best offense in the red zone this year, Brian Hartline has failed us. Yeah. Um, I didn't put that on the list, but since you brought it up, oh, we could do that after the quarterbacks. Um, yeah, but I don't really have much about the tight ends. They did exactly what they expected. I, I think that's a testament to the room. I think it's a group of players who take it seriously, treat it like they're pros in a way. They go to work, they understand the role, they understand their job, they understand what the offensive scheme's trying to accomplish, and they do their job to the level they need to to make sure that happens we shall see we shall see I, I just try not to get too excited man. Screens and I'll be, uh, that'll be fine please it's all god these football gods whatever happens don't let Kate Stover block in space just don't. Just never call a play with Kate Stover he blocking in space. Block linebackers in space, but once you get to that 205 athletic safety, that two 185 athletic corner, he's probably not even going to get his hands on. He's not. It's not a probably. He's not. <laughs> and if and, he does, it's probably a hold. Yeah, and that's not. That's even worse. I don't know. Actually, that's probably better because then it's first and 17 instead of second and 12. Yeah. So. But most we, teams would probably take the second and 12. Uh, me personally, I would take the first and 17. I just like, I know football is not easy. I absolutely understand that. And it's easier said than done. But like Ohio State has a million plays that can get you seven yards. And I don't know why teams don't look at first and 17 and just say, Seven, 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 first down. They either try to get it all at once or they try to run the ball, get three yards, and then they're behind and the sticks and it doesn't matter. Just get six. Six, six, and th- – oh, well, yeah. I mean, for those religious – I'm sorry, but like six, six, and six. Six, six, and eight. Six, ten, and two. Six, like, six, whatever. Like, like, Round it up. 
Split it, split it in half. Run some curls, run some crosses across the middle, somewhere you can cut. I know it's easier said than done, but like I feel like a lot of coaches don't coach. The, I don't. I, I just feel like they don't coach it right. I, I feel like they don't call the right plays in the situation. I know that's easy for me to say from the couch, but hey, I'm just saying. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, all right, what's next on the list? We've got the quarterbacks. Um, to be honest, I liked what I saw from Tristan Jevia. We'll start with him because then we could close it up with the com- the competition talk. Um, I thought he was sharp. I thought he looked like a six-year senior. I thought he got more juice on the ball than I, I expected. Um was he great? No, not by any means. But for a third-string quarterback, I don't think you could be in a better situation with that. Yeah. I mean, he showed enough that if we need to play him, I'm happy it's with It's not him. like back when it was Gunnar Hoke and Chris Chuganov. It's not that bad. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I saw enough. I saw enough. He made the passes that he needed to make. He didn't turn the ball over. He didn't look like he didn't belong, right? He didn't look like the best guy out there, but he didn't look like he didn't belong, which I think was important for me as well. So, I'm, yeah, I'm I agree. Fine. Um, What's the other part of this? Oh, yeah, Kyle McCord. Um, I think this kind of goes back to our conversation with the offensive line. Um, there was a lot of pressure up the middle. Um not every team's going to have a mic call across from them. I think it was a tough situation for him, especially at the start. And I know you guys are probably going to get real annoyed at me to keep saying this, but like Mike Williams was touched. They were in second and nine. They were in third and 10 or second and 10 a bunch. And in a spring game with no rhythm, um, why do you keep, like, you keep handing it off? Oh, we're third and eight. All right, so now I have an unmanageable, well, not an unmanageable, but like a tougher third down situation um, with this pass rush coming at me, knowing it's a passing situation. Like, that's really just not, that's not a cool situation to be in, especially especially when you're trying to win a job. But what I, what I will say, he got comfortable. I thought he was making good decisions, even when his throws weren't on target. Like, I still think he was finding the right place to go with the ball. Um, I thought the corners did a really good job against the receivers, not named Marvin Harrison Jr., so that's a good sign for that side. We're going to talk about them in a bit. But overall, like, he definitely didn't make the most of the opportunity, but I definitely don't think anyone should have – any bad things to say like Stroud wasn't the sharpest in his first spring game um Justin Fields was terrible in his first spring game so there's a long way to go um and he wasn't bad by any means yeah he made a he made a lot of really good passes uh especially when he had some time he put some touch on some things he was accurate one of the things that I liked is he was very I think he only missed one pass that they considered a deep pass I saw someone um charted and I think he only missed he was like two for three in one area and then like two for two in another like so he was pretty accurate deep which is important um I I think he has what it takes he just needs maybe it was a bad showing he he has I can also see why he hasn't separated himself uh he just needs some more time some more confidence and a better offensive line yeah, I so, remember CJ Stroud was not CJ Stroud immediately. Y'all like to no. forget it. Y'all like to forget it, but y'all were calling for Kyle McCord for them first four games. Y'all were. Justin Fields was not Justin Fields immediately. 
I mean, um, are, are it's just sure about that. He, he might have been Justin Fields immediately. Yeah. I, don't, I don't. I don't know. I feel like he was. I feel like he was. He, he was not. I recall. <laughs> um, he was good. He was good. But I remember that spring game. I remember people being like, "That's oh, the, the spring game was Georgia. bad." I meant like the in the we, season. Uh, all right, Florida Atlantic. I I could have beat them. I, like, let's be honest here. I'm not Justin Fields. I'm not. I'm not any of these guys. But you let me hand it off. You let me take one of those read options where everybody overcommits. No one thinks I'm taking the ball. We'll get a couple yards. We're good. Um. Yeah, but I'm just trying to think. Yeah, I'm looking at the pass chart right now. Ten to nineteen. He had. So this is funny. In the ten nineteen yard range. Um. He was over three across the middle in that area with one pass breakup and two drops. Yeah, that's kind of hilarious. Um, he was uh, three for six throwing deep, twenty plus downfield. One was a pass breakup, one was a throwaway. So you eliminate the throwaway. What's that? Three for five. That's pretty good deep deep ball accuracy, sixty percent. Um, but yeah, I think I think when you look at his chart, eighteen for thirty four. It's not uh, it's not necessarily one that's going to make you yelling excitement but then he went on a stretch where he completed like seven of eight passes um and it is funny because when he played against the second defense line he started to cook a little bit when that first defense line was against that first offense line with the new starters it was not easy for him to find any open receivers yeah absolutely but he always found marv which is a good sign because when in doubt <laughs> marv. marv down there yeah, Mars down there somewhere. Um, uh, what, what, what are we doing here? Quarterback. Yeah, there's really nothing else. Like, it sucked Devin. I, we'll go back. It sucked Devin Brown couldn't play. Um, I think a big reason Corey Dennis showed a lot of Devin Brown's film was because from week one when he got there to week 12, at this at the coaches clinic or whenever, however many weeks it was he's been in the program, he's gotten significantly better with his footwork. Um, so that is the ground he had to make up with Kyle McCord. So not being able to see the gap, not being able to see his consistency, his level of play in the spring game, how much he's actually improved since he got there, uh, that's a little tough. Because he didn't even get a throw at the practice we saw on Friday. Yeah, so that is definitely unfortunate. But, I mean... He has oh, this is funny. 15 and practices is a lot, but he did do most of the practices, and he gets 20 yeah, more. 13 plus of 15. Yeah. Um, this is funny, dude. I, I I know coaches have, like, some level of ego, right? But hearing, like, a group of high school coaches being like, I just don't see it with Kyle McCord when they legitimately shit their pants if a kid like Kyle McCord walked into their school. <sighs> that was pretty funny. That was a pretty funny moment at the camp, at the coach's clinic. I'm just like, you are sitting here watching this kid rip a 30-yard corner out to Marvin Harrison Jr., and you're like, yeah, I just don't see it. It's like, that's why your team's probably 7-4, and four, bro. Yeah. Like, I'm not saying he don't got nothing, no room to grow or anything like that, but I'm not I'm not sure if uh, y'all should be there, the one really He's a five-star really for a reason. He was a five-star for a reason. Yeah. Let's just leave it at that. Simple um, enough. I should just everybody. Um... And that's not to knock. There were a lot of really interesting people I got to chat with. Um, don't remember a lot of the schools, though. Ohio's got some really weirdly named places. 
That's all I ever. That's, I don't even want to say them. I don't know. <laughs> um, the only ones I remember were the Catholic schools because I heard those words grown up. So. Yeah. Let's just say, let's just call it unique. Yeah. That was, I know we kind of joked about this last week, but like moving to Ohio and like saying stuff wrong. That is like actually the correct way to say something, but it's wrong in Ohio. It's always it's always been my favorite part about living here. Yeah. It's like no. No. Ohio doesn't say it like that. You're wrong. <laughs> like, well, it's, I, I thought it was Rio Grande University. It was no. Rio Grande? Rio Grande. It's Rio? Yeah, yeah, I learned that. I, I was talking to someone from there. I knew it was Grand. I didn't know it was Rio. Yeah, also, I think, I think it's funny that people don't know. I mean, Ohio itself is uh, is a uh, Native American word. I think it's funny that people don't know like that there's a large Native American population here. So then they come here and they don't know how to say Like, there's a lot of words and things like Kashakta and yeah. like, uh, Tuscora. Like, that's one of the main streets in Canton, like Tuscora. And it is hilarious when my um, when my GPS tries to pronounce it. Uh, oh, so, I couldn't imagine. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. All right. So that's the offense. Um, that's another. Uh, Chris learned something weird about Ohio again this week. We're going to. Uh, I think we'll keep up with that bit. And I'll, if I remember something during this job, I'll bring it up. Um, fried cheese. That was something I learned about this week. I've never seen it. I don't ever want to see it again. Because if I see it, I probably will eat it. And that's probably not good for me. Yeah, I would agree that you should probably leave that alone. Personally, <laughs> um, but yeah, Ohio, man, the best. It's the best in so many ways. Um, but yeah, all right, let's go to defense. I added the specialist here. Let's just get them out of the way. All I learned this week at Friday's practice and Saturday's game is I really hope this season doesn't come down to a kick again. <laughs> That is all I learned. You know, Parker Lewis has a rocket for a leg. Jaden Fielding has a rocket for a leg. But, man, did those kicks go straight. Not enough. Not enough for me to feel confident. I don't have nothing to say about it. I'm really just going to... I'm really just gonna sit back and hope that they get a lot of kicks in in the summer. <laughs> like yeah, a, lot, a lot of kicks. A lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of kicks. Like a, a minimum 100 a day. <laughs> yeah, and you know what? We're not. If there's game winning situations, Brian Hartline, Ryan Day, whoever's calling the plays on that last drive, um, score a touchdown. I don't care how early in the clock it is, I don't care how much time you leave on the clock, put up seven. Uh, just remember. Who do you believe in more, Marv or your kicker? Yeah, I know it would have been Marv had he not gone down, but oh man, um, it was nerve wracking. It's nerve wracking. I don't want to think about it. We're done with specialists. Jesse Murko, he hits footballs with his foot like a golfer. He like literally has fade, draw, backspin. It's incredible. Uh, watching that, like he, I, I think this is one thing. And you could probably speak on this, uh, just working in college sports as a, as a team manager, seeing college kickers, college punters specifically, what they are able to do with manipulating a football off their foot is absurd. It, it honestly doesn't make any sense. 
And it was so funny. And you know, we joked in the chat a while back. Everyone's like, I, I was like, I can still catch a punt. I had uh, John Tomez, our special teams coach, he used to punt and make me catch his punts to work on punt returning. Um, I could still do it. I caught one. Did you? Yeah, it hurt. It hurt like a lot. <laughs> but a group of coaches moved out of the way and it just coming right at me. I was like, I'm going to catch this because I'm, I'm a punt returner at heart. That's what I do. Still got it. Coach Day came in over offered me a scholarship. Said, we need a punt returner like you. Someone that actually knows how to catch the ball. <laughs> yeah. He didn't actually come over and say that he wasn't on the field yet. But it was incredible watching them punt. The, it's just like the height, the weight, how high the ball goes. Like, until you see it in person, you just really can't have a respect for it. Yeah, especially because, like, one thing that people just, like, I'm not even going to say don't understand, just don't pay attention to. Punting is not about distance. Punting is about hang time, especially hang time if you want to be a punter in the NFL. And so, like, there's a lot of people that could – Maybe not a lot, but there's a, there's more people who can line drive it and make it go 50 yards. There's not that many people who can make it go 50 yards and hang for three or four seconds, four whatever, five seconds. The, whatever yeah. the right number is. Yeah, and watching freaking Jaden Ballard and the corners who were doing gunner work sprint down the field, it doesn't need to be up there that long. Does not need to be up there that long. Um, but yeah, that's why you guys come to the Buck Off podcast. We talk about the specialists on the show. Um, even if it's to say, I really hope this year doesn't come down to another kick. Everybody eats. We are not going to have a problem with kicking the ball out of the end zone this year, though. I can tell you that. Boom. Off the foot. You can hear it. It explodes. It's kind of it's kind of scary. Like I would not want to be hit with one of those off the tee. Like, you know those – you know, like, that play, like, a lot of high school coaches do where they just have their kicker kick it right at the guy in the front line? Yeah. Hey, I don't think it should like be legal. It, you just kick it hard and, like, hope it bounces off of them in the right direction? Yeah. yeah, I don't think it should be legal for Parker Lewis to be allowed to do that. I think, I think that would lead – I think that would lead to a criminal investigation. <laughs> That's funny. Oh, but, yeah. Well, who Maybe else we got accuracy? Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, so we kind of have to talk about corner, but I really don't want to because we've talked about them all the time. They look good. I think we got four stars out there. I feel confident. In yeah, them. it wasn't like, and the thing is, was it back. wasn't against the starters, but that's the level. Our backups is essentially the level of what you're going to see in most places, yeah. and it's even even in a lot of places, it's going to be less. So you know what and I mean? So like doing I, that against. Former five, I feel confident saying like, Davison, Jordan Hancock, and Denzel would have been fine against Julian and the Mecca. I think yeah, I, nobody's I think good against Marv, but like, yeah. And even Denzel had a few plays against Marv, but I'm like, okay, that's the Denzel Burke like we all expected last year. Yeah. I mean, but also, even, even Carnell Tate, right? We heard all these good things about him, but he didn't immediately explode. No. Uh, and like I still think like even though Ryan Turner, I think it was Ryan Turner who gave up the touchdown to him. I still think he did a good job. I still like outside of that play, like he was still good, and that's the fourth guy, or no, that's the fifth guy, I think. So, I mean, I feel like you go, you went from zero depth, zero confidence in the group last year. You know, partially due to injuries, partially due to 
like instability just in general being in the new scheme i think they're comfortable i think they i think tim walton has been working hand drills with him quite a bit because i think that was one thing i noticed against uh or watching the spring game was they were much more comfortable getting into the body of receivers making sure that their hands were on it and they were doing it and they were mirroring the receivers incredibly well at times and they made they had quite a few pbus like um, yeah. let me look at the past chart because i think they had all the pbus listed um where is it here it is um one two three four five pass breakups on on saturday so like that's a pretty that's a pretty solid performance Absolutely. Um, and I feel like it was low-key more because, I don't know. Uh, well, and a lot. I, I think there are some really well-covered plays that they didn't get their hands on. Right. And then that's also C.J. Hicks had a pass breakup, and C.J. Hicks had two pass breakups. Yeah, so and, had, and both of his pass breakups were almost interceptions. Yeah, Should've and Styles had one. So three of them were a linebacker to safety. But – I, I not to take it away from the corners, like they were all over the place and they were in such tight coverage that it was they weren't those they weren't throwaways necessarily for McCord or Jebbia, but they were like I need to put this only where the receiver can catch it. Right. Just even higher outside because like if I don't this is gonna get picked off. Absolutely. And that's what you want to say. Yeah, so um, I, I, I feel like there's not much to say. We've been talking about them a lot. They've won, like, almost all of the Player of the Week awards and that kind of stuff. I I would be very surprised if the secondary is just, just – I mean, honestly, just put the whole thing out there. I'd be very surprised if the secondary is not good. It's not yeah. better. It's not – I mean, maybe not dominant, maybe not the best in the country, but it should be – it shouldn't be a liability anymore, which with what the way our defensive line is looking, that should be enough. Yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, we can just move to linebackers because I think this is a fun conversation because we we know what Steel Chambers going to be. We know what Tommy Eichenberg's going to be. This was our first like in depth look at Reed Carrico. This is our first in depth look at CJ Hicks. Like they were the starters. They played a ton of snaps. Um, it was a real, real uh, game for them. Like honestly, like they were the guys and they held their own cj hicks 62 snaps gabe powers 56 snaps reed carico 47 snaps after reed carico missed that first tackle in the backfield against Dallin hayden um i don't think he missed a tackle after it um cj hicks we already mentioned the two pass breakups one of them was almost six one of them was almost a pick six like that would have been huge and i just think I, and I just want to level expectations. Those guys are not going to be the starters this year. I think Knowles is going to feel a little bit more comfortable rotating them in. But um, in two years, or I guess not two years, a year from now, when these guys are in their camp, I think they're going to be ready to roll. I think yeah. they're going to be a really good group. I was very impressed with Gabe Powers. Was it Gabe or was it Reed that led the team in tackles? Uh, I think it was Reed. Uh, I don't know. It might have been Gabe, Gabe because he played Gabe. longer in yeah. the game. Uh, I was very impressed. I was very impressed with all the young linebackers, and that's what I want to see. I'm, I'm not going to go on a super long linebacker rant right now. This is not a show that we can be on for two hours. I, I got, you know, I got life to take care of. But 
trust and believe the linebacker rant's coming because the thing that we were talking about and the thing that I was kind of waiting for was the the young guys, right? And but well, I don't think that I, I don't think that Tommy's that injured. I really just think they gave him a senior year off, like a senior, you know, like hey, thanks yeah. for coming back. You don't need the spring. And then Steele um, got hurt a little bit. Workout on Friday. Yeah, Steele got hurt a little bit. And so I yes. think it was perfect that the young guys got the whole spring. I think they needed it more than anything because yeah. they don't like to play depth. And you can't play depth if you don't practice depth. And you're not going to practice depth if you're playing the starters. So, I, I mean, I think it showed that they got almost almost the entire 15 practices. Yeah, and it showed on the field. Like, they played really well. Um, Cody Simon didn't play as many snaps, and I think that's for good reason. I think he's the oldest guy. You know what you're going to get from him. You want to see reps from these guys. Yeah. And Carrico. Uh, Carrico played every snap at Will Linebacker. Um, Powers started the game as a second team. Mike Linebacker then took first team reps alongside Hicks in the second half according to this uh, Love Warrior Snap Count article. So um, I think that's good for Powers that he's playing both, right? Um, and I think you re- – I really like Hicks and Carrico. I mean, I thought they were awesome. I really did. I thought all three of them. I, it makes me really excited. Yeah, I mean, I'm <laughs> – we gotta get off linebackers or we're gonna be here for three hours. Just just know I approve. <laughs> that was yeah. there was some there was some real linebacking play out there. I will just say that. There was some uh, yeah. there was some real deal linebacking play and we have a we have a legitimate mic uh coming up. We have a legitimate yeah, mic absolutely. behind our other legitimate mic. So I'ma just leave it at that. And two legitimate little linebackers. Yeah, it's going to be exciting. It's Well, okay, it's going to be exciting for me. I know that y'all don't care about linebackers that much. You guys just want to see me. It's going to be exciting for me. Where is the safeties? Um, here we go. We're on safeties now. Um, Sonny Styles led the day in snaps. Um, that's going to be – I think that's going to be a very common theme. Like, I don't think he is going to be the starter at any of the three positions, but I think he will play the most every single week. I I agree. I think that's more than fair. Um, um, Malik Hartford got the second most snaps. I was actually pretty impressed with him. He played the adjuster role. Um, for being a true freshman early in Rolly, I thought he felt pretty comfortable in the scheme. I think it's kind of funny. You see some of these younger safeties. I think that is the one position that adjusting to the physicality is a little bit different. Um, and you kind of saw that with some of the runs. And, like, I think it was Dallin Hayden got on him early. I think Chip Trainum, uh got through him early. And that was kind of funny. Um, but, yeah, I think let's I talk about the older guys a little bit. Um, Josh Proctor, Lathan Ransom, uh, Cam Martinez that seem to be the the main three. Um, I think that's probably a safe assumption. Uh, one of the things when hearing Perry Eliano talk, he talked about how Proctor was kind of a little bit of a gambler. No, it might have been Jim Knowles saying that. One, one of the coaches, like, he's a bit of a gambler uh, this spring and we've been really working on the steady assignment football. And he's been doing a really good job with that. I think it's also 
something to mention with both Lathan Ransom and Josh Proctor. They're both two years removed now from broken legs. And there's definitely an adjusting recovery period for that. So I think we're going to see them back to full speed this year. That's something to take into consideration. But with all that being said, I think we got to uh, recognize the fact that Cam Martinez is is a guy that we didn't, I didn't necessarily predict. Um, I was very much Jahad Carter's here. Um, it's going to be his role, um, but he looked really good. Yeah, I'm very happy about that. Another one of my guys, right? I have a few guys on this team that I that I go to bat for. Cam Brown's another one of my guys, and partially he's my guy. Largely, I didn't know anything about him. I don't really care that much about him until I realized it's like, hey, y'all are playing this kid out of position, and OSU fans are, like, obliterating him, and it's not his fault. <laughs> like, he's doing something he shouldn't be doing. So... Yeah, um, I love that he's doing what he's supposed to be doing, and you're starting to see that now. You're starting to see uh, it work. You're starting to see some uh, some return on investment. Let's just say that. Um, yeah, and I know a lot of people complained about him switching over. They're like, uh, why are we switching the Michigan like three-time Mr. Football who scored a bajillion touchdowns? to defense and it, it it's really just a skill translate where do you have played on offense at ohio state is he going to be better than the receivers is he going to be better than the running backs at running back i don't know that's a big question but where his athleticism can translate over time is as a nickel corner because there's so much that goes into that um and there's an athleticism that you need that you can't teach that's just facts, and he, he provides that, and he looked comfortable backpedaling. He looked comfortable getting out in coverage. He looked comfortable in run fits, and that's something that you didn't necessarily see when he first started playing safety, and that just comes from the experience. That comes from the teaching of Eliana. That comes from the teaching of Knowles. Like, that's a big deal, and you really saw it come to fruition. Like, Josh Proctor, Lathan Ransom, their safeties, they have their faults. Very similar to Ronnie Hickman. You know what you're going to get from those two guys. Um... Cam Martinez is still really developing, and that's something I'm excited to see as it goes on throughout the year. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And you got Jahad Carter there, and that's really good, too. I think you've got six really solid safeties, and that's exciting. In year two of this scheme, in the safety-driven defense, like to me, that only sells me on this being better this year. Who's your six? Is it not seven? Um, let me see. I've got uh, Styles, Martinez, um, Proctor, Ransom. Um, did I say yeah? And then Jihad Carter, and that's my five right now. You forgot Kai Stokes. Oh, Kai Stokes. Yeah, no, I think, I think, I think. Um, we'll see how you guys do in front Stokes. Of We'll see how the other guys do in front of them before I lock them into my top six. I, I won't let you forget Kai Stokes. I think that's fair. I think that's fair. I shouldn't have forgotten him. I can't, I can't allow that. I can't allow it. I think Kai Stokes is better than Josh Proctor. So if Josh Proctor's in your six, I think Kai Stokes needs to be in there. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, I think that's fair. That's fair. And then I was excited to see Ryan, Ryan Turner at the nickel. I think that's a good fit. He's a stout corner. Um, I think that's something that... Ohio State needs to have ready because 
like I was just saying with the nickel safety roll, yeah, you have the run stuff, you have the pass stuff that you need to be able to do on any given play. But at times, you're going to want to kind of have a nickel, a true nickel corner in there. Absolutely. Um, basically, if you take nothing away from this conversation, take one thing. Depth. Depth. This yeah, team absolutely. has depth finally. And that's what happens when you start recruiting good again. Because we always had we always may have had one or two. We always may have had ones, but we didn't have twos and we definitely didn't have threes. And now we're getting to the point where it's like, dang, we have to keep this guy off the field. Like what this guy's not gonna play that much. Like, and that's that's what Ohio State normally was. Like and, and we're getting back to that. Yeah, honestly, right now the only position that I don't feel depth at is um, the offensive line and and interior D line. Yeah, it's true a little bit. We we need to see some of those guys develop for sure. But the talent's there. The talent is there. But can like Hero Canoe come in and bully someone for three plays while the other guys get a break? We don't know. Yeah, we won't. I mean, I'm nowhere near ready to call for a national championship. I'm not going to do that at the end of this spring, largely because of the offensive line and quarterback. I'm just going to say that the bones are there, and I'm, I'm ready. There's a, there's a lot of there's a lot of talent. We just need to do it. We need to do it. We need to go 12 and 0 again. We need to win the Big Ten. We need to beat Michigan, and we need to be in the playoffs with a, a chance to win it all. Yeah, honestly, it's uh, it's not even the quarterback at this point. I, I, it's really just the offensive line. And once I could see that, if that looks good, and I don't know if I don't, I like I don't know what the ceiling of it is because it's it's uh, it's floor it right now is feeling pretty low. Like this could this could be a disaster. It could um, we didn't bring this up, but there definitely will be talks about bringing the transfer offense tackle. I think they need to. And I think there's two good ones out there. Yeah. And that's, that's not a knock on the two guys there. It's just they need to prove it. And you can still bring in that tackle, and they can still prove it. That's just you just need to have an extra opportunity to miss. Yeah. And ultimately, Zen, I don't know if he was ever supposed to be that guy. And Tegra's a year early. So, yeah. And I will say this, and this is something I want everyone to think about when they're like, oh, Ohio State doesn't need a transfer. Would you rather have three shots to make a free throw or two shots to make a free throw? Money on the line. You're going to take the third shot. You're going to want an extra shot. So you're going to take in a transfer if you can. I feel like that's just simple math. Um, and like it doesn't necessarily mean you wouldn't make the first one you don't hit the second one right it's just to say you just need to always protect yourself in this era um but yeah let's let's close it out we've got some quick hitters um ohio state is three star you um if you guys are subscribers to the athletic you definitely saw this article today ohio state is the best developer of three star football players taking them from recruits to the nfl i think that there's a few ways that conversation can be taken. I think Ohio football has a lot of very underrated recruits that aren't recognized because they don't do the camp circuits as much. They don't do the seven on seven stuff. There aren't as involved in spring ball. So I do think there are some gems in Ohio that are three-star recruits. Um, 
Secondly, I think when you look at development, uh, just because you are a in Iowa State, a TCU, a Baylor, and you only recruit three and four-star recruits does not mean you're turning them into NFL players. You can make a good college football team out of it, but that doesn't mean you're taking them to the next level. You're just making them really good at your level, and there's a huge difference in that. And then Ohio State was like fourth in eighth and four-star conversion and like third or fourth in five-star conversion to the NFL, so... Um, that's pretty good, and all things considered, one eight and four, um, based on the data from the last eleven years. Yep, absolutely. Um, uh, it was starting with the two thousand twelve class, I believe. Yeah, so that that's some time. Um, show that Ohio State does turn out pros at all levels of recruiting. So when Ohio State lands at three-star in the 400s from the state of Ohio, they usually have a very good plan in place for what they want that player to become. And clearly it works. Let's just say that. Clearly it works. All right. um, We've got recruiting wars. Um, There is still salt on the offensive line recruiting trail. A lot of it. It's not winter, but there is salt. Um, Mr. Ben Roebuck, a Michigan commit, uh, will not let the not getting an offer die. Um, and I do think, you know, it's great. You made your choice. You you went to Michigan because you didn't have a choice, right? And I don't want to, like, disparage anybody, right? Not a kid, not a recruit. Um, I think that is behavior that is unacceptable. But in a rare exception, I do think... If you are going to trash talk another school, you need to have a committable offer to that place before you can do it. Um, and do you think I am off base for saying that? No, especially when it comes when you're talking about recruiting and things like that. Like, how do you know? What are you talking about? Do you know yeah. the coaches? Like, do you? And especially then, like in, in this case in particular, it even sounds even more petty because you have teammates who have offers, which means the coaches have been to your school, have been to your games, maybe even your practices. I've seen and you, have evaluated you. And they didn't like you. So it's it just it seems a little hurt. Like it, it seems a little like, you know, petty, a little jealous. Yeah, going back to the uh, the guilty pleasure reality TV I've been watching, you know, uh, it's always the, the people who are wrong in the argument that tend to be the loudest and I don't think Ian Moore, Devontae Armstrong, Deontay Armstrong would have even commented on that post or on that situation if it wasn't started by someone else. Yeah. Uh, But yeah, don't trash talk coaches. It's a bad look. It is a horrible look. I don't care how old you are. Um, Until you're an adult who's not being recruited, um, great, you picked a school. Congratulations. Um, you better hope that co- that, that commitment sticks, right? Yeah. A lot. Things change. Things do change in life. It happens. But, and Jim Harbaugh is the guy who's pulled offers before for better players. Yeah. So, I mean, hey, end of the day, it's 17-year-olds being 17-year-olds, but talking about a place that you couldn't go, interesting. Is 
assault behavior. Um, but also, like how I I know it's it, it's Saint Ed's right? They all all three of those kids go to the Armstrong twins in Roebuck. I believe so. Yeah. I I know they're an ultra talented football program in the state of Ohio, but can you imagine being a coach and having to deal with these salty teenagers? <laughs> no. That's not like. At least they're on different sides of the offensive line. Yeah, I just. I think that's funny. Yeah, playing it to your office, like, you know, we still got to practice. We still got to play together. Like, y'all, like, what's going on? They're going to do that message where it's like, you know, if you don't play up the expectations, they'll pull those offers from your boys. Oh. It's not guaranteed. All faithful. <laughs> Nothing's guaranteed when it's high school football. You need to keep up the standards so you play at the next level. They all talk like that. That's what I learned this weekend. Um, all right, last thing, and then we'll get we'll get you guys on the road. What's the one question from spring you wish was answered heading into the summer? I think it's pretty simple for us. I, I want to see if we're on the same page. I mean, it, it, it has to be offensive line. It has to be the tackle. Yeah, right? that's where I was at. It has to be. I wish the offensive line... Had five starters settled. I wish some guys really showed that they were the deserving players to be in that top five. And it didn't happen, and that's okay. It's not a death sentence. But it is the only position I am truly worried about because it literally affects every other position on the offensive side of the ball. Young quarterback, well, that sucks. There's going to be pressure up the middle and off the right side. Oh, we've got a running back. We've got a loaded stable. Well, if you can't block for him, what's that worth? We've got Marvin Harrison. You know, most of his routes are ran at 10 to 15 yards downfield. Need three, four seconds. Will that always happen? Probably not if they're not good. So, yeah, I think I wish the offensive line was figured out heading into the summer. At least a starting five. At least five players who had separated from the rest of the pack. Yeah, 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 yeah. Not happy about it. I'm not happy about it. I'm just going to – I'm not going to be naive and believe we're going to be one of the best lines in America. I just uh, I just hope that, you know, through the summer and through the fall, we can be more than serviceable where we're not a concern. But yeah. it's not looking up, and I definitely <laughs> hope they hit the transfer portal. This is, I don't know if you feel this way, but I don't feel like I have any questions about any of the other positions after the spring. Like, I have expectations now, and I have things I want them to meet, but generally I don't have any questions about what they look like, what they're going to be like, what they're going to try to accomplish this year. The offensive line, still very, very, very long way to go. Very, very much so. But, yeah, I think that's all we got today. Uh, you guys can follow me at Chris Rennie CFB. You can follow the show at Buck Off Pond. Make sure you subscribe to the new podcast network. And make sure you guys rate the show on that because it's new. So we got a second chance at not having our ratings tank. Uh, but Jordan, where can we find you on social media? You can find me on Twitter at JordanW330. Awesome, awesome. And then one last congratulations for me and the audience. Here we go. We will see you when you're back from your honeymoon. Yes, sir. And that's it for you guys. We'll see you next time.